You are listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast with pet business coach Kristen Morrison, episode number eight. Welcome to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast, where it's all about pet business challenges, real coaching, and real solutions to help you thrive in your pet business and in your life. And now, here's your host, pet business coach, Kristen Morrison. Episode number eight. Wow. Hi, everybody. (laughs) It feels so good to have completed eight episodes. And I want to thank you so much for your comments on the podcast pages, on the Prosperous Pet Business website. And I really want to thank you so much for the wonderful reviews that you've written about the podcast on iTunes. I'm so grateful. And I know it can take a few moments to go into iTunes to write a review, and it can be a pain. You've got a lot going on. You're a busy pet business owner. But I just want to let you know that your review and you're taking the time to write a review on iTunes means so much to me and to this podcast because it really helps others find this podcast. So you're taking the time to do that really makes a difference. And it also really inspires me to continue sending these episodes out for you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you haven't already written a review on iTunes, I would so appreciate it. And if you need some help figuring out how to do that, feel free to email me by going to the Prosperous Pet Business website and go to the Contact Us page, and I'll be happy to tell you how to write a review so that you can do that and help us out. Thank you so much. So, everyone, episode number eight. I hope everybody's doing great. I'm doing really well. I just got back from a long weekend away with my wonderful man, and we've been exploring some areas that we might want to move to, and it feels fun to be open to new possibilities around moving to different locations and exploring those. And, you know, I've been thinking about how for a lot of people when they get older, Their world begins to get smaller and smaller, and a lot of that has to do with their mind and the way that they're viewing the world, and a lot of that has to do with fear, and for a lot of older people, their world tends to contract rather than expand, and I'm finding that the more I can be open to new adventures and opportunities, the more my world expands instead of shrinks, and That can feel kind of scary, but mostly it feels really good. And, you know, I really invite you to explore in your own life where you're contracting and where you're expanding. And again, I think it's our natural inclination when we get older to contract rather than expand. So explore where you want to expand. Explore where you're noticing you're contracting in your business. I would love to read your comments about how you've expanded in your business or how you find yourself contracting. And you can write your comments in the show notes at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast eight. That's the number eight. Again, that's prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast eight. So 
I want to talk a little bit about episode number eight here. So a while back, I interviewed Ian Dunbar for the Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference. And if you don't know Ian Dunbar and you're not familiar with him, he's an incredible dog trainer. He's also a veterinarian. He speaks at a lot of pet business conferences. He has written many, many books on dog training. He's done a couple TED Talks, which are fascinating. So you could just Google TED Talks and Ian Dunbar, and you'll be able to watch those. They're wonderful. And on this episode, he talks about how to train and motivate dogs. And the information that he shared during the Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference also translates to training your human clients and your staff too. And I wanted you all to be able to experience Ian's incredible knowledge about dogs by being able to hear this episode from the conference in the podcast here. So I hope you enjoy it. And I just wanted to let you know before the interview with Ian Dunbar begins that the sound quality is a little bit different than what you're used to with the Prosperous Pet Business podcast. Ian and I decided to do an in-person interview instead of a virtual one since he lives about 30 minutes from me and the microphone wasn't quite as close as we both wish it had been. So just turn the volume up a little bit more than it is now once the interview starts and you should be able to hear it just fine. Now here's me interviewing Ian Dunbar. Hi there, I'm Kristen Morrison. I'm the founder of Six Figure Pet Business Academy and I'm the creator of the Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference. And I'm so happy to welcome Ian Dunbar here with me today. He is an animal behavioralist. He created Serious Dog Training School where he was the first instructor to do off-leash puppy training in the world. And that's pretty brave <laughs> to take them off-leash. He's also the author of many books, and he's created many dog training CDs, DVDs, anything else that I'm forgetting. You're a veterinarian, too. That's true. Post life. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and I really appreciate you being willing to do an in-person interview. Ian lives right over the bridge from me, about 30 minutes away, and we kept having some difficulties with Skype, and so you graciously said, come on over to my house. And I, I was having difficulties <laughs> with Skype, let's be really honest about this, so we <laughs> I was too. Anyway, um, so really happy to have you here today. Well, thank you. Yeah. And so what are some mistakes that dog owners make when they're, when they're training their dogs? Well, I think the, the biggest one is they, they don't look ahead. Mm-hmm. They get a dog and before they know they're out of control because the dog is growing up and developing so quickly, you know, especially if we get a puppy mm-hmm. or even if we adopt an adult dog because it's, it's the first week that makes the dog, you know, new house, new rules, they learn very quickly. Right. And, you know, I think they should look on it as like you're driving a car. You don't just buy a car, get in it, turn it on, off you go without knowing how it works. And so people should think ahead a little. Mm-hmm. I mean, the all-time classic is when, when people come up to me and, and they say, oh, Ian, I've got a problem with my dog. And I say, oh, no, what, what is it? They say, well, it, it barks. <laughs> and I say, no. Oh, no. no. That of all the dogs you could have got, it's really unlucky that you pick one that barks. And we laugh at this, uh-huh. but the, the thing is, all dogs are going to pee and poop, mm-hmm. chew, 
bar, they're going to be hyperactive, they're going to be happy over the top to see you, mm -hmm. they're going to run away off leash, they're going to pull on leash, you know, unless you teach them otherwise. And, and, and so I think a little, you know, prior proper preparation and learn what your pup is going to do, mm -hmm. developmentally, when you get it, week eight, week nine, week ten, and, and know exactly what you've got to do. And then the puppy raising becomes just so much easier. Mm -hmm. And what kind of training style do you prefer? I mean, I, I basically, it's a three-step process. You know, show the puppy what you want to do. It's, you have to let the puppy know mm -hmm. what the rules are. And um, in other words, uh, finding a way to communicate to teach the puppy ESL, if you like, mm -hmm. to teach the puppy human words for doggy behaviors and actions. So we can say, no, use your toilet, get your chew toy. So we, we can communicate what we want to do. But I would say 90% of, of training is motivating the dog to want to do it, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to the approach where uh, people tend to look on the dog as their adversary in the training arena and say like, I told you to sit, now sit, this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. No, first let's make sure the dog understands what sit means um, and then really make the, motivate them so they want to do it, which is really simple. You say sit and then on the couch, mm -hmm. sit, you put the leash on, sit, you let the leash on, mm -hmm. sit, you throw a tennis ball. So the dog says, I love it when they say sit. You know, and all the good things happen afterwards. Yeah. And then the third stage would be we must communicate to the dog when it's a must-do command. I mean, there are times when we need absolute compliance, mm -hmm. on-demand compliance. And, and that's the biggie, and I think that's where dog training is sort of split down the middle. A lot of people are saying, we get to compliance. Mm -hmm. And other people are saying, well, no, we're reward trainers, and what do you do when the dog misbehaves? Oh, we, we turn our back on it when it jumps up. We, we're going to extinguish the behavior. It's insanity. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I think a lot of owners have got frustrated that they go to a class and they or with a trainer and they're having a great time. The trainer is very, very positive with the dog. But the trainer's not teaching them what to do when the dog misbehaves or when the dog's not compliant. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this is the biggest advance in dog training in, in the last oh, 100 years, that we now have ways to insist that the dog does it without causing fear or pain. Mm -hmm. And of course the analogy here would be a parent and a child, you know, an employer and employee, mm -hmm. a, a teacher and a student. I mean, we don't want to beat our children and pupils mm -hmm. to get them to do it. We want mm -hmm. to teach them what and to motivate them. But occasionally we have to acknowledge, you know, daddy knows best. Mm -hmm. You must do this now for your own safety. Mm -hmm. so, so that I think is, is really cool that we can now essentially do something which is much better than punishment. You know, punishment just inhibits the behavior we don't want. But even if it works, which it seldom does, because owners are pretty inconsistent, mm -hmm. um, it's so woefully insufficient. What we want is to stop the behaviors we don't want and get mm -hmm. the dog back on track as soon as possible, and occasionally communicate to the dog how serious non-compliance would be, and in terms of how dangerous mm -hmm. it would be, say the dog's running through the front door. And by using our voice, uh, you can do this in one word. You can communicate, stop running away, I want you sitting, and this is urgent, so you, you must do it. It sounds like being in partnership with your dog, too, instead of you being... I mean, sometimes you need to be dominant, obviously. I think sometimes you need to be in charge and in okay. control, because we're humans with human brains, and yeah. we can foresee the dangers of the future. Mm -hmm. And so we occasionally have to tell dogs, no, you will not do this. You will not jump up on the child just because of your breed. 
yeah. you know, Labrador can flat the child in the park, yeah. but if you're a rotty or a pit and you do it, you're in, you're in big, big trouble. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think the process more is, it's communication, it's living with the animal, and, and what has happened in dog training is the most peculiar thing in the past hundred years, that hundred years ago, with Conrad Moe's book on the basically ignore your dog for six months to a year and then put a leash on him and jerk him when he doesn't do what mm. you want without telling him what you want him to do. Wow. Kind of silly way to train. Um, and we took words out of corrections. And I think if a dog or a child gets it wrong, we have to explain to them why it was wrong. Or at least we have to explain to them what exactly we want them to do. Mm -hmm. Rather than just saying, no, ah, uh -uh, jerk, zap. Mm -hmm. We have to say, get your chew toy. Yeah. See, by using words, correction becomes an easier process. But then a very ironic thing, when, when clicker training came along, which is a fantastic technique for doing uh, specific things with dogs, complicated things, teaching dogs behaviors which aren't in their normal repertoire so we, we can't lure them, what it did was it took words of praise mm -hmm. and rewards and instead we go click treat. Yeah. And whereas I think as a technological training process that, that has uses, um, it does require consistency and impeccable timing, mm -hmm. two qualities which sometimes are, are not always present in our, mm -hmm. our owners, um, but it takes words out of the loveliest side of training. Mm -hmm. That you, you, you teach the dog what to do and rewarding them for doing it. And I mean, I like to say to mm -hmm. dogs, that was a really good pee. Aww. You know, I mean, I, I tell you, I've seen some peas in my life, but that had volume, that had style with the leg lift. I mean, serious or recall, like, hot damn, buddy, that was faster than my brain could process. And I think it's such a shame that we're trying to teach so many owners to be technicians mm -hmm. and just go click and treat. So please don't, I don't want people to say, oh, Ian Dummer doesn't like clicker training. No, I was responsible for getting the very first workshop together where clickers were used to train dogs. It was run by Puppy Works just around the corner here and I promoted it and we got 200 people. It's a great training yeah. technique for specific uses. I don't think it's a starter technique for someone who's trying to develop a relationship with a growing puppy. Uh-huh, I agree. And I think dogs do like words and they like hearing, you know, our inflections and the way we're saying Well, the, the inflections, yeah, you, you see, if we use feedback like, I mean, you know, we almost reduced it to two camps in dog training to mm -hmm. a click or a shock mm -hmm. or a jerk, these are, it's quantum feedback. It's mm -hmm. always the same. Whereas the behavior or the dog's response is always different. Mm -hmm. And we can, so our feedback needs to not just communicate whether you get it right or wrong, but how well you did or how potentially dangerous the mistake is. And that we can do so easily with our voice. We can yeah. say, thank you, which means minimal requirements mm -hmm. have been met. You know, the response wasn't brilliant, but at least you did it eventually. You know, then we can say, good dog, mm -hmm. good dog. Good dog, or oh, hot damn diggery man, that's so cool. You get it? And our voice is such a natural feedback because it's a binary feedback and it's analog. Uh -huh. So we can communicate the various, um, you know, qualitative aspects of behavior, how well you did. Uh huh, we do that with people too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, some people do. That's I mean, true. Some people other don't. people have yeah. communication problems there and they yeah. will never tell someone when they're doing something wrong. Yeah. So they fret over it and, mm -hmm. and they never praise people when they get it right. Yeah, so either and way, the people that they're around don't know how they're doing. Yeah, and, it's, and I think with a dog, I mean, 
you know, to me, the whole reason for having a dog is he's, he's your buddy. I mean, he's like your little cute, furry, psychologist, home companion, exercise coach and, and everything. And, you know, I, I think it's so nice and we, we, we talk to him. Mm -hmm. I remember we had a big old red dog called Claude and, and I had some things I was worrying about and I would talk to him on my walks and actually my neighbour actually came up here and said to Kelly, he says, you, you know your husband's talking to that big red dog and Kelly says, oh he always does and she said, no, 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 he's talking to the dog as if the dog's replying to him. And I did and it really helped me through the problems. Yeah. I mean, why worry Jamie and Kelly when you got a dog you can talk to? And he pretty much solved everything. His solution was walk me more often. There you go. Come to these <laughs> sessions. Yeah, let's do this five times a week. Yeah, the therapy <laughs> session. It's yeah. cheaper too. Yeah. <laughs> cheaper it is. Than it is. That's great. So, you know, I remember in some email exchanges that we had, you were talking about the behavior and motivation of humans and that you're very interested in that. Tell me more about... Well, I, I think that I, I'm interested in it is because I'm interested in it, but from the viewpoint of today's talk, um, which is running a successful dog business, mm -hmm. I, to me, two things just pop out. You know, what will make a successful dog business? And, and here I'm talking about growing the business. Mm -hmm. um, the first, obviously, is what you do has to be reproducible. You need people to do it for you now or with you, for you. Mm -hmm. Eventually, employees, uh, that's the only way to grow because as one person, you can only do so much. Well, as soon as you now get people working for you, we now get into, I think, the most important aspect of, of dog training, which is people training. Mm -hmm. We are not just training the dog. I mean, that's one aspect of it. There's many layers of the onion. We are teaching, we may train the dog a little, get him up and running, then we're teaching a person how to train the dog or to work the dog that we've helped them train. More importantly, the person usually we're working with is mum in the family. Mm -hmm. So we're actually teaching her our job which is how she can go home and train other people, other family members and, and extended family and friends and guests, how to train the dog mm -hmm. that we've just helped her train. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is people training. And, and I think in any profession, and especially dog training, because it's so emotional, people care about their dog so much, the people training skills are everything. Yeah. If you want a successful business, you need to know how to make people feel good, um, and to motivate your employees to work mm -hmm. for you, to motivate your owners to do the homework. You see, it's that, it's that three-stage process again. It's not just telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. It's motivating them to want to do it. And then very occasionally, you have to say, look, I am the boss here. Yeah. I am the dog trainer, and I see what happens if you don't do this. Mm -hmm. So I really want you to do this. I'm going to check next week. I'll, I'll ask mm -hmm. your dog. And I do, and when I mm -hmm. see the dog the next week, I actually, I put my forehead down on the dog's head and I go, dog's telling me you haven't been hand-feeding him around children. Uh -huh. And they go, well, 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 on Tuesday we had house guests, and, and then they totally blab, and I say, you've got to do this yeah. because your dog doesn't like children. Do you understand what your dog's going through? Mm -hmm. Every time he sees children, he's stressed and anxious, and it's just not fair. You've got to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. So occasionally, in the third level, I will say, you are going to do this, and I'll do everything to convince the, the, mm -hmm. the person. But by and large, if you're motivating properly, you know, your staff are going to want to work for you because it's their company, mm -hmm. and it's, it's their family, yeah. and your, your, your dog owners are going to want to do the homework so that, because it's a fun thing to do with the dog. 
It is. And, you know, I'm thinking about my own. I had a pet sitting company for 18 years and 35 staff members when I sold wow. it. And, yeah, it was a pretty big company. And what I found through having staff members for so many years was they really did work better with praise than, hey, you did this wrong. I mean, I had to learn mm -hmm. that the hard way early on. And that it wasn't money that motivated them. It was gratitude and really letting them know how grateful I was that they were there. Yeah. And once I started doing that and really paying attention to appreciation, I found they stayed with me. The staff members I had stayed with me, you know, on average five to seven years. Yeah. Want to take what you're learning from the podcast and begin to apply it in your own pet business so you can see powerful results? The Pet Business Online Course Learning Platform can help you do that. You'll find instant access courses that can help you launch or grow your pet business starting right now. You can watch, listen, and learn from the courses right now or whenever works best for you and from wherever you are at in the world. The How to Start Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business in 7 Days online course gives you step-by-step -step instruction and comprehensive tools to help you launch your own pet care business and get paying clients in just one week. The four-week Pet Business Catapult program provides a weekly comprehensive plan to help you create systems and strategies so you can work on your business instead of in your business. You'll also learn exactly what you need to find, hire, and train quality staff and attract high-paying, profitable clients. With these classes and the many other online classes you'll find on the course platform, you can take your pet business to a new level of growth and success starting right now. Go to PetBusinessCourses.com. That's PetBusinessCourses.com or use the online learning platform link in the show notes page to start transforming your pet business right now. You'll find many classes for all your business needs, including how to get your website higher on the search engines and how to use Facebook marketing to grow your pet business, plus many others. New courses are added monthly. These online courses provide solutions and actionable steps so you can quickly take your business to a new level of growth and profitability. And you'll receive your courses in less than 60 seconds after ordering. To find out more, go to PetBusinessCourses.com. Yeah, there's a lot of people make this big thing about money. I mean, money, but actually even for the owner, it's it's really fulfillment that you want. You want to feel that you're doing a good thing and that you're, you're making people's lives a little happier. But in terms of motivating employees, money is not a good motivator because it's on a fixed schedule, mm -hmm. either fixed interval or fixed ratio, and we know that doesn't work to train puppies. Mm -hmm. um, the crazy thing is that 100% of the entire workforce of the world is maintained on those two schedules. It doesn't work. Yeah. And when you, I did a massive survey once of, of vet techs, um, this is a, a veterinary retreat in, in Lake Geneva, and I asked them, what do you want from your job? And the number one thing by far was recognition. Mm -hmm. And then the second choice was the most popular thing was fulfillment or a chance to grow and to expand my knowledge base. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've done you know, quite a lot of reading into motivating people 
and from like the industrial psychology viewpoint, mm -hmm. well, this is heavy duty now, we're just yeah. selling something. So one of the books I really liked was uh, Swim with the Sharks, mm -hmm. and this was an envelope salesman who then became a multi-multi-millionaire. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the way he sold envelopes was, now he did it in typical male fashion, mm -hmm. he, he developed a, a questionnaire, 66 questions I think it was, questions I, I want to ask my client. Like, are you married? Did you go to college? What college was it? Do you have children? What are their names? What are their interests? Do you have a dog? Do you have a cat? And then when he'd come back and meet them to try and sell his envelopes, he'd say, you know, How, how's Johnny's soccer going? Did he get onto the team? Bam-bam. You're, you're, you're meeting with the person on a personal level. Mm -hmm. You've just made the sale. Mm -hmm. And so in the doggy world, that, that's so easy for us because yeah. it's a dog. And all you have to do is to, like, get down on the ground and say, oh, how sparky, hey, how's my favorite cocker? Oh, he's a good dog. Has mummy been training you? Yeah. So that's the greeting. Mm -hmm. And then when you leave, um, there's a little nice thing you say to the dog. Say, see you next week. I can't wait. You're, mm -hmm. you're my favorite, you know, consultation. Mm -hmm. Or I've got a little present for you. Mm -hmm. And it's addressed to, you know, Sparky Johnson. Mm -hmm. This always this kills us. Mm -hmm. You know, you use the dog's first name and the owner's last name. And it's a little chew toy and some treats. And it's just a little present. Mm -hmm. um, but not on a fix, not every time. You know, not a birthday card, not a Christmas card. These things are not motivating. Yeah. It's out of the blue in February when everyone's now depressed because the holidays are over and where's the sunshine? And you send the dog a little card mm -hmm. saying, how's the training going? Let me know if you need any brush-ups. I'm missing you. Mm -hmm. You know, like you to come to another class. And it makes the owners feel so good. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking also about a lot of people that I work with talk about motivating referrals too to refer like vets groomers pet store owners and what i recommend is really giving them gifts during the non-holiday times oh, everybody's giving their yeah. vet cookies and candy and you know bring something in an effect on a february day or you know an april day that has nothing to do with the holiday yeah and i think when you think where referrals come from and they come from vets they come from pet stores they come from breeders all of these people have something in common. They're all pet owners and probably mm -hmm. dog owners. And with dogs, it's so easy. You've only got to find out what breed they have. And that's the little thank you card that you send. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't send a Labrador, Labrador card to someone who has a German wire hair. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you send a German wire hair card and you just say, you know, how's Fritz? How's he doing? Mm -hmm. You know, thanks, by the way, for sending the referrals. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And that's it, the personal connection again, which, which shows you care. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's amazing. It, it's the little things mm -hmm. that, that, that really matter and, and go so far because money is not the motivator. Mm -hmm. And it's not the motivator if you're paying someone to work for you. And it's not the motivator when you earn it. Mm -hmm. You earn a lot of money, you think that's cool. But then next month you get depressed if you earn less. You see, it's a very dangerous sort of thing that you're in there. Uh -huh. So, the little things, and, and that is really, it's what life's about. Because now, I find in the dog world, so many people get so wrapped up in their dog and the dog world, and there's nothing else there. And it's, it's very dangerous. You're setting yourself up for, like, real hurt mm -hmm. if, if anything goes wrong, you know. And I think you, you, you've got to have other hobbies as well. You've got yeah. to have a life. 
to be a really good dog trainer because you've got to be able to relate to people mm -hmm. on that level. Yeah, and a lot of people that I work with who love animals and they're working in the pet business world, not a lot of them, some of them don't really like people. They love animals, that's why they got into it. They don't really like people so very, much. It's a very delicate way of putting it. Um, yes, yeah, so many people come to me and they say, well, you know, I, I don't really get on that well with people. That's why I became a dog trainer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, mm -hmm. you're in the wrong field. Mm -hmm. I mean, if ever you need people skills, it's when you work with animals, if you're a vet, a groomer, a dog walker, daycare, mm -hmm. or dog trainer, because this is a very delicate thing you're dealing with. It's yeah. very emotional, their dog, and you, mm -hmm. you better know the people skills. And, you know, I look at all my friends I was at college with, and we were, you know, we were a pretty fun bunch, and they were all amazingly successful as veterinarians. Why? They were just fun people, mm -hmm. and and their clients loved going to the vet to see them, even though they were upset that they were mm -hmm. going to the vet because mm -hmm. their, their pet is sick. And, you know, it's you, you've got to relate to the people. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's an irony that so many people who are so positive, million percent positive with dogs, mm -hmm. are actually so nasty with people, mm -hmm. and saying things like, then you shouldn't have got a dog in the first place. Or, oh my God, take that collar off, what are you doing? You don't have a choke collar in my class. And my view is this person's come to me with their dog. If I insult them in any way, if I belittle them, I'm distancing them from me, so now I can't help their dog. Mm -hmm. And so actually what I visualize is, this is a very weird thing, if someone's doing something to a dog that I, I don't like, or mm -hmm. if they're training a way that I find reprehensible, I imagine a little syringe floating over their head, a little syringe of euthanol. And I think the dog's got a lucky break now because mm -hmm. he's here with me and I can help him if only I can get the owner to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And that's what gives me great patience. Mm -hmm. And I've come up with some nice styles, like I won't say, that's wrong. I'll say, you know, that used to be a very popular way of training dogs 50 years ago, but we just do it much quicker now. Let me show oh, you. Come here, nice. sit, down, sit, stand, down, sit. So I won't take the bait. Mm -hmm. I won't make an issue out of it because if I distance the person from me, I know they're going to another dog trainer. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, in any profession, whether you go to a dog trainer, doggy daycare, or say we go to a lawyer or a doctor, um, half the people you're going to see are below average mm -hmm. in that profession. <laughs> and I like to think if someone's come to me because of their dog, they, they really got lucky. Mm -hmm. And so if I frighten them away because I'm a bit of an arsehole, mm -hmm. then they're going to have to play the lotto of trainer again, yeah. and they could quite as easily get someone who's using methods which aren't quite so mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I tell people, don't take the bait. I know you're upset, mm -hmm. you know, bite your tongue. Mm -hmm. And imagine this syringe of euthanol. Mm -hmm. What's euthanol? That's what you use to euthanize oh, animals. It's basically a heavy okay. duty barbiturate. Uh -huh. and, and when I, I see dog trainers who I disagree with, mm -hmm. what I imagine is an enormous syringe of euthanol because <laughs> our dialogue yeah. will influence the lives of so many dogs it's now. True. I mean, how many clients do they have a year? Yeah. So it's about seducing people uh -huh. to, to see it your way and, and not get into an argument. It's like, but so many people, they just love to have arguments. Mm -hmm. They love to point out when you're doing something wrong. 
and um, and you know when I lecture around the world, it's kind of interesting. In some places, they are really accusatory, mm-hmm. and and saying, "Well, this isn't right." You know, you're sort of you're stressing the dog or something. Yeah. And they can't really see a problem with logic. And I say, "Well, yeah, the dog's a bit stressed here because he's dog dog reactive." Mm-hmm. But what we have to compare that with is if we do nothing, and the dog remains dog dog reactive mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. And this dog, seven years old, he's been dog-dog reactive for seven years and you haven't done a damn thing about it. Yeah. That's what's stressful every day of your life. So I'm going to do something, yeah, it's a little bit stressful, but I'm going to make your dog better. Mm. So, you know, we, we don't want to just tell people this is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, look at the improvement. Or, yeah, we're realistic. Those were ways used to train dogs, mm-hmm. but now we do it differently. Mm-hmm. And I like how you said quicker. Because instead of, we do it better, because that makes them feel like they've done something wrong. I I don't use better, and I don't use inhumane. Mm -hmm. That's the volatile one. Mm -hmm. When you say, no, that's inhumane, Mm -hmm. that's cruel. Oh, my word, that person's not going to listen to anything you say now, and I don't care if you've been to a hundred clicker workshops. Mm -hmm. They're not going to listen to you, Mm -hmm. because you insulted them, you belittled them, you shamed them in public. And their dog now can't benefit from your mm-hmm. experience and expertise. Yeah, words are so powerful. Oh, yeah. They're important. So any other final tips you have for pet business owners? I think the most important thing um, when you're dealing in a profession where if you get it right, you do a lot of good, but if you make a boo-boo, you, you fail mm-hmm. and you can actually cause harm, it's very important to be representative about what you do because mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of people who crucify themselves with a single failure, like especially in the rescue world and the mm-hmm. shelter world. And you've got to, you're going to fail a few times, let's face it, you didn't mean to do it, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a lot going on. Dogs have baggage and they have owners we have to convince. Mm-hmm. So you've got to look at your successes. And, and at the end of the day, you've got to say, well, I had trouble with one dog in class. Don't focus on that mm-hmm. one. And that's what we do. You gave it your best shot. Mm-hmm. Now focus on the 11 puppies that you really helped to have a, a better life. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's my principal at that college, you know, taught me this. And at that graduation, he says, you know, <clears throat> the vet profession is a great profession. It's going to be very fulfilling. You're going to love it. You're driving around the countryside, seeing animals. It, it, it really is the James Harriet, you know, mm-hmm. thingy. But there's three things more important. You know, number one, your your colleagues, your employees. You work with them for so much of your life, well over a third mm-hmm. of your life. You're with these people. Treat them as individuals. Value them. It says more important than your colleagues, though, is your family. Mm-hmm. It says that's what life's about: family and friends. So you know, don't neglect those because of your work. And then what he said next absolutely stunned me. He said, but more important than the veterinary profession, your veterinary colleagues, than your family, is you. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow. He said, if you don't look after yourself, if you don't see what you do representatively, the good that you do, if you keep focusing on your mistakes Mm -hmm. and the screw-ups that you've made, you're going to be useless as a veterinarian, horrible as a colleague, Mm -hmm. and pretty pathetic as a family member. So I think that's it. Let's take the principles we use for mm-hmm. training and motivating puppies, apply them to people, but especially apply them to ourselves and and to look at the good time we're having in life and mm-hmm. have a good time doing it. Thank you so much, Ian. Well, thank you.
So, Ian, how can people get a hold of you? Well, the, the best way is through Dogstar Daily. That you know, they go there, dogstardaily.com. It's a huge free website with hours of me talking so long that people get sick of me and then won't want to get hold of me. But essentially, all the questions will be answered there, whether they're raising a puppy or they rescued a dog. So, dogstardaily.com. And there's loads of stuff to you know to download for free, free books before you get your puppy, after you get your puppy. No need to buy them anymore. Mm -hmm. Just download them for free. Great. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. I will. And okay. you. Thanks. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the podcast segment with Ian Dunbar. Isn't he amazing? I would love to hear your thoughts about the interview and also how you expand and contract in your pet business. And you can share your comments with me by going to the show note page for this segment. So here's how you get there. The website address is prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast eight. And that's the number eight. And again, it's prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast eight. And I'm wishing you such a wonderful week filled with expansion and positive training moments with the dogs you're caring for and your human clients and your staff members. And I just hope you have an amazing week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast. It would be great if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. For any questions, comments, or pet business coaching topics you would like to hear on future podcasts, please visit us at www.prosperouspetbusiness.com or www.sixfigurepetbusinessacademy.com.